0: Hello, I'm Peter Laws, and this is Season 3, Episode 2 of Creepy Cove Community Church, a full church service broadcast from a mysterious haunted fishing town. We're in the car park right now, but soon we'll be heading inside to continue to learn about our current topic, how to stay positive in a negative world. But before we do that, you can help keep the lights on at our humble little church by joining the Creepy Cove Patreon, when you'll get lots of exclusive extras for joining. You can cancel at any time. Just visit patreon.com forward slash creepyco for more details. We would love to have you in the congregation. But right now, we better get moving. Because just through the window, I can see a young man pushing someone in a wheelchair. He seems to be having some trouble with the swampy mud up here. I'll I'll just go and give him a hand. I'll see you inside. Uh, Mr. Bates! Mr. Norman, you should need a hand. Our church sits in a cold place at the very edge of a windswept cliff. Here, we overlook the notorious community of Creepy Cove, a haunted, mysterious fishing town by the sea. It is a place where every horror movie actually happened. We have
1: served the spiritual and spooky needs of the Cove for centuries. But now, we invite you, our special friend to join us.
0: So come on in, shake off the rain, because the after dark service is about to begin. This is Creepy Cove Community Church, we bid you welcome.
2: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Creepy Cove Community Church. You are most welcome to join us, and a special bonjour to anybody visiting our church for the very first time. Please don't be alarmed if you find yourself sitting next to a vampire, werewolf, or eerie ectoplasmic mass, because you see, we welcome parishioners from all corners of the existence spectrum here, including even you so park your hindquarters into a pew or one of our comfy sofa options and relax for you are with friends and you can be yourself but if you do happen to be a vampire werewolf, for zombie then please refrain from feeding on one another for we have a selection of free snacks both sweet and savory including a bucket of wonderful gooseberries which my wife brenda pardon Say, say it, it, say it again. Oh, it was gooseberries. Yes, we have some <laughs> wonderful gooseberries. Again, again why? Again. Do it, say it, please. Gooseberries. Again. Gooseberries. Again. Gooseberries. Again. Well, I prefer blackberries, blueberries, and strawberries, <laughs> but gooseberries are apparently nice, too. Well, anyway, help yourself to the lovely goosebitters and just don't eat one another. Well, let's get this service started with the notices. When we find out what's been going on in the world of Creepy Cove, in the little section that I like to call, What's
0: Happening, Lord? What is happening? What is happening, Lord? Well, the first
2: thing to say is that later on in this service, we will be having a very special musical guest. Yes, our church band are a lovely bunch, and they (laughs) lead us in the rousing, yet frightening, hymns of yesteryear, and also contemporary, and yet divine ditties designed to direct our decadent digits to the disco dance floor that we've recently had installed in our church by the way. But they have many contacts in the World Musicale and they have kindly arranged to have some of the visiting musical artists to join us for our services to fill our ears and hearts with sick-ass beats. And so tonight, it's our pleasure to welcome Joel the Custodian, a musical artist known for his work in the rap medium who will be leading our horror hymn a little later on. So, Joel, if you could just stand so we can all see you. (laughs) There he is. Oh, handsome chap. Wonderful to have you here, and we look forward to hearing you perform for us a little bit later on. Yes, sir. If you could sit down. Well, speaking of music, um, those of you who were here in the service last week um, were aware and are aware that our new piano is a lovely addition to our musical equipment, but it awkwardly is also infested with the demon ghost of a hedonistic and homicidal aristocrat called Ephraim Ludlow. Well, you'll be pleased to know that since murdering one of our congregation members a couple of weeks ago, he has not appeared at all. Yes, we've done well. And so, there has been no paranormally caused death in our church for three whole weeks. Isn't that nice? Yes, thank you. Good to applaud that. Well, we suspect the reason his spirit has not left the piano is because somebody left a packet of original Pringle snacks, the salted variety, on the piano during a time of fellowship in the last service. And lo and behold, we think the salty snack of a ring-shaped formation has somehow trapped his pesky evil ghost inside the instrument, which is wonderful news. Obviously, we cannot insist in stronger terms that you must not eat any of the original Pringles that are currently scattered on the piano. As tempting as it is, for to resist a Pringle... It's as difficult as resisting the urge to scream when one falls from a cruise ship. Huh? Try not screaming, it's really hard. But resist you must, for the salty snack is keeping us alive. Well, moving on with a seamless siege I ask you this question. Are you a single Pringle, or are you ready to mingle? Uh, yes, that's right, we're having our singles pizza night if you'd like to come. It's a lovely evening at the church where we can get to know one another and maybe find pepperoni or romance. Of course, it's hardly essential to be attached to another. Indeed, you may get more pizza if you stay single. That's actually quite a good idea. But if you're one of those types who are looking for love, then yes, the Creepy Cove Singles Pizza Night is taking place not here but down at Old Jenkins' Graveyard. For there is a lovely view of the sinking moon down there that always seems to release a sense of worry. But there are werewolves in the wood down there who are very active when the smell of cheese is in the air. And so, at that time of night, so bring a sturdy pistol with bullets of silver, of course. So yes, the Creepy Cove Pizza Night for singles, ready to mingle, will be once again at Old Jenkins Graveyard, 7.30 p.m. this coming Saturday night. The dress code, by the way, this time is Victorian Ghost. Yes, do make an effort if you can, but I know some of you already have an advantage since you are already Victorian ghosts. <laughs> okay then, well, moving on, we come to our special guest who is having something of a celebration today. So, today marks a very special occasion indeed for one of our long-term members of the church. I am talking about you've guessed it, I can tell. Norma Bates. Yes, for today is her birthday. <laughs> but wait, it's not just any old birthday, no. Today, Norma is turning one hundred years old. Can you believe it? A century of service to the accommodation industry of Creepy Cove Town. For of course, Norma Bates is the owner of the little motel out on the highway called the Bates Motel. Now, some of you may have stayed over there before, but most will never have met Norma herself, because for quite a few years now, she's been due to ill health and general elderly maladies, has been housebound. But you can give her a little wave up at the window when she is there. Well, to celebrate her 100th birthday, we have pulled out all the stops. And so, everybody, could you please put your hands together as, yes, I'm not kidding. We welcome one of Creepy Cove's oldest and no doubt wisest inhabitants in the flesh. Norma Bates! Yes, put your hands together. Here she comes, down the aisle. In a wheelchair, of course. Don't be expecting cartwheels. She's looking very cozy and dumb. Be right now. Well, Norman.
1: Hi
2: there. Sleepy. Well, well, don't, don't wake her. Don't, just wait till she gets up. <laughs> As you can see, she's being pushed by her lovely son, who runs things over at the motel these days. Let me introduce him. Oh, He's, that won't be necessary. Uh, My name's Norm. Norman Bates. Of course, yes, that's right. Norman Bates, the son of Norma Bates. You have very similar names, don't you? Yes. Uh, Like, I'm called Rupert, but imagine if my mother was called Rupert. (laughs) Anyway, perhaps you could give her a little hug, uh, Norman, so you can wake her up from her slumber just for this special occasion. Now, Norma dear, here you are reaching your first century. One hundred years young. How does it feel, my love? Norma? Hello? C- can she hear me, Norma? She, she looks like she's fast asleep. Hmm? I said she looks like she might be fast asleep. In fact, is she feeling all right? She, her complexion is a little bit, um... A little dusty, wouldn't you say?
1: Oh, no, it is not bad. Are you
2: sure? Her, her skin is exceptionally dry. Moisturized, or could be a boon, well... Oh, yeah. Yeah, well... Oh, I'm sorry. I... No, don't apologize. Well, l- listen, we'll let Norma sleep, uh, but let me ask you then, uh, Norman, about the motel. How's the hospitality business doing these days, eh?
1: Twelve cabins, twelve vacancies.
2: Well, oh, we,
1: we've been closed for a while. Renovations, uh, but, yes. and good prices, good service. Things will pick up. I hope I've so, got yes. a, a rebuilt ice machine and uh, oh, four lovely. cabins, booked for later in the week. Fairbell High's homecoming, big
2: game uh, against Central. Yes, uh, just take a breath. I seem to be rattling on. Oh, no, it's it is wonderful to have someone so passionate about their work. Want some of these? Uh, oh, goodness. For, for, thank you. for Thank you very much. For the benefit of those listening from home, let me explain. Norman has just presented me with a little brown paper bag, and inside it is... Is it Sweeties, Norman? I bet it is. Oh, goodness. I do love a little... Oh, so, gosh! the dead mice. Three dead... Nice, um, My hobby. Stuffing things. Oh, I see. Well, let's have a little look at your work, then. Look at these little muzzles, everybody. Oh, you really go for the gonzo eye look, don't you? They're the pointing in all sorts of directions, and you've grafted little goatee beards onto each of the rodents. Well, why would you do that, Norman? No one ever does. Okay, well I see you've gone for originality, artistry, fair enough. Well, listen, thank you for my taxidermy treat. I'm sure my wife Blender will be. Um, sorry, did I call her Blender? <laughs> Apologies, my dear. I meant Brenda. I'm <laughs> sure my wife Brenda will be delighted to have some stuffed mice for our mantle. My wife Brenda has always loved animals. She's a whore. Excuse me. It looks like Norma's awake. But Norma, I know it's your birthday, but I'd appreciate it if you didn't call my wife a whore. She's a slut. Honestly, Norman, could you please just ask your mother to? You dirty, dirty boy. But I, I didn't. I didn't do anything. Mother. Norma, don't speak to your son like that. <laughs> I didn't do anything, with her. He's right, uh, Norma. Norman has never even met Brenda. Have you? She's a nice girl. Hey. You let her come between us. Norman, are you sure you should be lifting her up? Well, you're, you're picking her up now, what? um... we doing? Norman, uh, perhaps you should let me take Thanks your mother, me. uh, you... and uh, we could set her back into the chair. She looks a little bit... wonky. There, um... Your embrace is so tight, I fear a broken bone may sound. Let me just... that's fine. Right, just help her back in a... Oh, she's really light, isn't oh, she? you've been doing... doing a little bit of Joe Wicks, have you? Of, uh,
1: this... It isn't right. It isn't natural.
2: You know, Norman, i agree. This is a little strange. It's perfectly
0: natural
2: yeah. for a son to love his mother. Uh, yes, I, I, I suppose. But listen, why don't we move on from talking about my lovely wife, please? Don't. Because we have a special surprise for you, Norma. A birthday cake just for you. And as you can see, there is so much birthday cake here. It was a substantial presentation that I think you and Norman... They're going to be eating cake all day long. I prefer the knife. Yes, night. I imagine you probably do, Norman. Well, for a large cake like this, we need a very large, sturdy, and incredibly sharp knife. There you go. So could you please hand that? Thank you, Peter. Gosh, this thing's rather huge. Um, Norman, would you like to take this incredibly sharp knife, be careful with it, and cut your mother? A lovely slice of scrumptious cake. Take the knife into your grip. Yes, you can grip it hard, but you don't have to grip it quite that hard, Norman. Your knuckles are going white. Norman, are you okay? You're staring at me in a slightly unpleasant fashion. Uh, No, I, I don't think you need to raise the knife quite that high. It's just a simple cake slice. You haven't got the guts. Oh,
1: God. God, will you leave me alone, Mother? Will you leave me
2: alone? What, what, what are you doing? I'll get you for this, Mother.
1: I'll get you for this. Oh, oh gosh! gosh. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, please!
2: Don't! Uh, no. So I don't have the guts! huh? No, that's uh, enough. Please, stop stabbing. Uh, stop it, please. It's enough. Uh, oh, no. Oh, uh, You have stabbed your own mother's cake to pieces can't you do
0: anything right
2: how dare you, you treat your mother in such ways it. it's like ectoplasm now what a rotty mess well perhaps we can scrape up some with a shovel and put it in a bag for you okay well i think we better leave it there for now, um, can you please put your hands together to wish Norma Bates a very happy 100th birthday? 100 years young, as they say. But Norma, remember, that's still no excuse to be rude about her fellow's wife. My Brenda has impeccable morals. It's lies. Oh, shush. It's all lies. What? She's a lying off. Hey. I understand. What do you mean? Mother. Get her, get her off. Get her off. Yeah. sorry. Cool, but it's not very funny, is it, to make jokes about one's wife? It's pretty funny. Well, I must say, Norma Bates would make a gifted ventriloquist, for her lips barely move when she speaks. It's impressive, for that's not easy. I tried to do ventriloquism once. Listen, I tried it, and I, I'm terrible at it. Listen. I'd like a bottle of beer. That's, I'd like a bottle of beer, the classic. Or try this one. Release so distinct at once. That's a bit harder. You can work that one out yourself. Well, it's uh, too hard for a man like me. I like to articulate with the full range of the mouth. Well, I think it's time we moved on to our Bible reading. Seemed like a natural segue. Which continues uh, to look at the Psalm uh, 20 from last time, and we are so delighted to have Creepy Cove patron and artist extraordinaire he does some amazing artwork you know of some fascinating and frightening horror film characters if you want to check out his stuff you can look in the show notes and you'll find a link to his store (laughs) well it's daniel tuck and he's going to come and read to us from psalm 20 daniel when you are ready please thank
1: you rupert the region is from psalm 20 May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. Now this I know, the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Lord, give victory to the king.
2: Answer us when we call. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that. And now, with those words haunting our most recent memories, we shall ask Peter to come and speak to us. Uh, Peter, up you come. Yes, you can bring a little bit of... Oh, you've got a bit of Norma's cake on your shirt. Yeah, I dropped it. Well, no, come on up. You can bring it with you. Don't you grab a prinkle.
0: Don't let everybody... Ouch. I'm sorry for the slap. Uh, It's really difficult to resist a prinkle. I I, I find that almost impossible. Well, anyway, my name... It's Peter Laws and I'm here to continue our look at the topic, how to stay positive in a negative world. And it is possible that some people out in the congregation tonight will roll their eyes at that title because here we are in Creepy Cove, the town where horror movies are actually real. And so you might say it is incredibly hard to be positive when you're surrounded by incredibly scary things. Or maybe you're listening to this remotely from your town or your city via the Podcast medium. And you might be thinking, I'm also living in a world surrounded by scary things. I may not be a full time resident of Creepy Cove, but I have my own monsters in my neighborhood of stress or relationship breakdown or health issues or financial burdens or just annoying people in your life. So to stay be positive can sound like super twee and unrealistic. You know, like the solution is skip around and go all sub. Hi, honey, I'm home trying to get a hairdryer to blow your tears back in. No, that's not what we're saying. Um, To be positive is not to cloak yourself in inauthenticity. It's not the answer. You see, if you remember last week or last time, we learned something unexpected from this Psalm 20. And remember, if you're not into the Bible and stuff, fine. Just treat this as a kind of bit of ancient literature, which has some interesting ideas. So you don't have to be in a God, Bible, or anything like that to explore this. And so last time, anyway, we um, explored this psalm from the Bible and uh, it said something unexpected. It said, if you want to have more moments of positivity in your life, the first thing you want to do is make space for the negative. I know that's a bit weird, but it makes sense that we should admit that life is hard. We should give ourselves space to express the melancholy, the anger, the sadness or the despair It's important. Do you know what? I once knew a woman who was stood up at the altar. Can you imagine that? She went on a Christian retreat to help her uh, process this horrible thing that had happened to her so embarrassing in front of her friends and family. And the first thing they did on this weekend that she went away on was not to sit there and say, Smile, cheer up. Now what they did was they showed her a room filled with pottery on the shelves, and then they handed her a baseball bat and protective glasses and said, if you want to, trash this place and scream while you do it. And she did. So denying the hard stuff and skipping through life with a manic smile on your face, that's not the answer. You've got to give the negative some space. So in Psalm 20, King David was trying to keep the army positive before heading into war, but he starts it with a bit of a downer. He says, you will be in distress. Doesn't hide it. So yeah, stay real. But while that negative space can be a good place to camp out sometimes, most of us don't want to like live there forever. And last time we found that one way to raise our positivity levels was also not only to give space for some negativity, but also to stay connected with other people. We talked about how that makes a huge difference, more than we might think. Interestingly, after um, I uh, spoke last time, I just happened to notice a science writer in the news called Marta Zaraska, and she was saying in a book of hers how um, when it comes to healthy habits and hopes to live a long and healthy life, we tend to always fall down on the predictable answers, which are true. Have a balanced diet with vegetables and fruit and stuff. Avoid too much fat and too much sugar. Do some exercise. Sleep well. Maybe get your 10,000 steps in a day. That's all great. But in her book, which is called Growing Young, Zaraska says the neglected part of health is friendships and social interaction. And in the book, she talks about how they are incredibly important. In fact, she found that a strong support network of family, um, if we have that, or friends, will actually lower our mortality risk by about 45%, whereas exercise lowers it by about 23%. Obviously, that doesn't mean we'll never die, but it means that we will prolong our life when we have uh, connections with other people. Uh, Claire Armstead, writing in The Guardian newspaper, said... Um, This, she said, it all goes back to our hunter-gatherer past and the different strategies needed to protect ourselves and the feeling of loneliness signals the sort of isolation that put early humans in danger of animal attack. And so in the absence of passing lions, it now still generates a kind of constant low-burning stress where we feel we don't have any connection. So uh, anyway, she goes on to say that can can lead to a sense of sadness, negativity, and even um, ill health so to have other people in your life people you can be vulnerable with to accept help from that makes a huge difference which actually can be quite difficult because many of us are introverts and, you know, we might, who knows, we might be confident uh, in in places, maybe we're not. But an introvert gets their energy from being alone. And so being with other people can sap our energy. And sometimes we just can't be bothered with making relationships with other people. Or indeed, we might be scared to make relationship with others. That makes sense because it can be hard to know what to say and make small talk. And, you know, where do you meet these people and, and all that sort of stuff. And also, it can just be much easier to chill out by yourself. But having said all of that, the point is, having these connections do end up having a surprisingly helpful effect on our sense of positivity in the world. And neglecting those things will will have uh, perhaps a predictable influence on our sense of negativity. You know, we need that reminder that we're not going through this uh, life stuff alone. Well, tonight we're going to conclude our look at this topic by checking out the rest of Psalm 20, um, where we'll be finding more ways to help us feel hopeful. And the first one is hinted at in verse 3, when it says, May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. This is uh, part of the Psalm. David's saying they're going to war. And at this point, he's, um, he's telling them to think about their sacrifices that they've done. Now, when I hear the word sacrifice, I don't know about you, but my mind fills instantly with old Hammer horror movies where, you know, like there's a young milkmaiden from the village being dragged in while English actors in goat's head masks hold her up, uh, you know, with a big chalice and they all get stabby-stabby. Well, um, is that the type of sacrifice David is asking them to remember? Well, no, not quite. In the Bible, God uh, says that human sacrifice is an abomination. Uh, But they did do animal sacrifices at the time. You might be glad to hear that Christians don't do that anymore, by the way, because Jesus died on the cross and all that sort of stuff. So please don't bring a heifer into Creepy Cove expecting us to slaughter it on the altar. We will politely but firmly decline. But anyway, the point here is that in those days, animals were valuable items in the ancient world. They were used in trade and, of course, for food but as David wants to raise the people's positivity levels, he reminds them of times that they have sacrificed things that have been valuable to them. Now, why would he, ra- why would he bring that up in the midst of a scary situation like war? Well, I think it's interesting because this word sacrifice is a key, I think, to unlocking more positivity in our lives. You would think, wouldn't you, that the key to having a more positive, hopeful, and happy life is to get everything you want, to basically do whatever you want. If only you get more money, more status, more possessions, and you don't lose anything. And yet, have you noticed how rich and famous people who achieve those things can wind up deeply lonely or troubled or even in rehab? They can still feel that life is filled with negativity, even though to us from the outside you think, hang on a minute, what have you got to complain about? Your life is filled with riches. Well, it's why you see some rich people, not all, but some rich people turn to philanthropy giving vast sums of their money away, sometimes publicly, sometimes in secret. Why do people do that? Is it just to help other people? Well, yeah, of course, that's certainly a part of it. But being more generous and giving and sacrificial can actually make us feel better about our lives, about ourselves. And it helps with that sense of connectedness with others and in turn, our sense of purpose. Why does this happen? Well, when we think that life is primarily about getting, about building our portfolio and protecting all of our things, getting a better house or a better car or phone or whatever, you know, that naturally will make us become self-focused. But ironically, a self-focused life does not always lead to happiness and positivity. In fact, it often can lead to pessimism and insecurity. We feel like we never have enough. We start becoming obsessed with our failures. Or this is a, this is a common one. We don't enjoy the successes that we have. You know, we don't look around and go, Craig, you know this is actually pretty good. you know. We look at our phone, which is what one year old, and we're like, can't believe I've got this phone, forgetting that actually that's a perfectly decent phone. We keep thinking that the aim of life is to accumulate more and more and we don't enjoy the successes of our own life, but even more so, we don't necessarily enjoy the successes of other people. Have you noticed that? A self-focused life, sees the success of other people as threatening and the classic word for that is schadenfreude where we take delight in the downfall of others have you ever done that before have you ever like heard about a rival of yours that didn't do too well and you're secretly kind of going woohoo <laughs> we've got this um family rules in our house that are on the wall and like one of my kids wrote it all up and i think it's number 8 is don't don't engage in schadenfreude that we're not supposed to laugh at each, at each other's misfortune but man is it tempting sometimes Um, I don't mean my kids fall down the stairs, you know, and they're in a broken heap at the bottom and I'm like, ha, ha, ha. Well, maybe not. Anyway, what happens when other people, um, you know, do well? And we don't. It stokes our jealousy, our sense of unfairness, because our focus is, hang on a minute, it's all about me and me getting my stuff in order and me getting my stuff blessed and and, and successful and whatever. We can see other people as enemies or rivals to beat. And what happens when you do that? What happens when the world becomes your enemy or your rival? Well, it gets quite lonely. Instead, Zaraska says that the research suggests... That those who make an effort with their community, who see other people as potentially as neighbors rather than rivals and make connections with those people, they ultimately end up having, by turn, a better sense of well-being. And, they, and she talks about how like there can be a small example of sacrifice. And it literally might be as small as this, saying hello to your neighbor in the morning. Have you ever done this? I've done this before. You know, coming from uh, like being somewhere in the car or getting up in the morning, and I've sort of seen neighbors out in the street, and sometimes I've thought, no, oh, I'm just going to hang back a couple of minutes. I can't be bothered to talk to them. I'm on my way somewhere. You know, and like avoiding talking to your neighbors just because you don't want the hassle of it. Um, well, what she says is, say hello to your neighbors in the morning. I mean, she also, I think she suggests doing things like, you know, offer to pick up milk for them or or even mow their lawn now and again. I mean, I know that might sound a bit crazy, but her point is we might think, oh, I can't be bothered with that. But actually she's saying when you make tiny sacrifices for others, the old lady who lives next door, when you spot her and you just sort of say, hello, how are you? (laughs) If you do that, it can feel like you're sacrificing your time to be kind to someone else. And you think, I'd rather just ignore them. I just want to get home. I'm in the middle of watching a series on Netflix. I want to watch that tonight. But actually, in that tiny little bit of sacrifice, you're not just giving something to the little old lady. You're not just being kind to them. You are gaining something. You're gaining a sense of connection with people and the world around you. And that, in turn, will heighten your sense of positivity about life and this and and that sense gets even stronger when we really um commit to helping others when we volunteer for example uh, let me show you an example of this right i've been to horror conventions and music festivals and paranormal conferences and all this sort of cool stuff that you visit and i've been to a bunch of christian festivals like spring harvest and green belt and all that sort of stuff and they can be great sometimes parts of them are annoying or you don't necessarily agree with everything that's said but other parts are really fun and a really great place to connect with other people a place to learn stuff etc But you want me to tell you about the festival that I went to, two, in fact, that I've never forgotten. They were both, they were church-related. One was called um, The Message 2000. It took place in Manchester. And the other one was called Soul in the City, which took place in London. And uh, what made this festival so different was, yes, they had concerts and bands playing on the evenings. Cool. But this kind of church event also had stuff going on in the daytime which I'd never really done before instead of going to events and listening to bands and stuff in the daytime instead everyone at this festival went out into the city of Manchester or London and literally thousands of teenagers in high-vis jackets would trek across London to places that have had already requested help and then these teenagers would help those places in the things they need, doing odd jobs for people for free, you know, like elderly couples, um, you know, who were struggling looking after their garden, for example, they were too uh, infirm to sort it out, and it become a jungle. A team would come in and say, "Oh, we're gonna, we we can sort that out for you. No worries. No, you don't have to pay us. We'll we'll get we'll get this like 200 teenagers on your garden. We'll sort it out in like one hour." I was part of a team during that that helped a school in Manchester who desperately needed their metal railings painted and it was like it was the like longest railing in the history of the world right and they lacked the funding to get it sorted so we did it for them and we did it for free in the london week the sell in the city thing in a place called peckham uh we went to a council estate and um, we put on a free barbecue for the community set up a speaker system played a bit of music did some face painting gave out free burgers and stuff now i know that this sort of thing can seem weird especially when christians do it and especially if it's if it's only done to try and convert people or manipulate people you know that's that's not great you know i'm not In support of that sort of thing of using people you know using these clever methods just to get people in the door and then you slam them with the bible but that's not the sense i got from it um it was just be a blessing to people help people out and at that barbecue i will never forget how i was knocking on doors right and i was asking locals would you like a free burger (laughs) we're all out here do you want to come out and have fun with us you're very welcome you don't have to but it's there if you want it's all free and I knocked on one door and a woman came to the door. And she looked, she sort of went up on her tiptoes, looked over my shoulder and saw all the happy faces. And she paused for a really long time after I invited her in and then she said, I'll just get my shoes. And she went to get ready and she came and joined us and had a, had a burger with us. I, I thought nothing of it. I was like, cool, right? Another person having fun. It, when it was only later, I think it was quite late that night, that I'd learned something about this woman I'd never never knew at the time. Apparently, um, one of the social workers that were there at the time said, um, that woman has not set foot out of her house in years. She developed anxiety about going out, but for some reason on that summer's evening, she saw these happy faces, bunch of strangers, yes, but also mixed with other people in her community, neighbors that she hadn't even met. And she said, okay, I'll come out, and she did. And what was particularly remarkable and also sort of a bit hard to explain to other people was that um, all of these teenagers were helping out, you know, gardening, cleaning drains, taking gifts to lonely pensioners and, and stuff. But it wasn't a summer job. They weren't being paid to do this. We weren't being paid. It was um, it was a holiday and we were paying to do it. You know, we paid the money to stay on the campsite. We paid the money, you know, to to support the project. And for a week, you know, we went and did stuff for other people. And why am I sharing this to you? Am I saying this is something I do all the time? No, I'm actually a very selfish person in so many different ways. But what I am saying is I've just never forgotten that. I was proud to be a part of it. Yeah, it was a sacrifice. Yeah, in a way it would have been like a lot easier just to have gone to a festival where I could have just sat down and like enjoyed bands and, you know, chilled out, you know, all day and all evening. But just making that sacrifice myself, which wasn't that much of a sacrifice, gave me memories, but also a sense of positivity about the world about this estate i was working with um about churches about um you know sometimes church can you can get disillusioned with that and seeing that in action and also positivity about myself you know a feeling well oh, that's cool I, I kind of put a smile on someone's face today money and getting stuff and laid back holidays where you do nothing that's all fine right I'm not suggesting that you become like this kind of you know monk that whips themselves every morning and is not allowed to enjoy life no have normal holidays and enjoy that but don't fall for the uh, for the for the trick that's to say the answer to contentment is in consumption and only that I think the answer to getting a growing sense of positivity is is in feeling loved, but also in loving others. And love doesn't really become love unless it becomes action. It becomes like sacrifice and presence. There's a writer called Bob Goff who puts it this way. He says, I used to think that being loved was the greatest thing to think about, but now I know that love is never satisfied just thinking about it. Have you thought about that? How many, so many of us would sit at night and think, oh man, I'd like to experience love in my life, but we're just thinking about it. Actually, practical action can help us to experience it for real, it's about doing. And so ironically, helping other people also can help us. This from the BBC I read, studies show, for instance, that volunteering correlates with a 24% lower risk of early death. About the same as eating six or more servings of fruit vegetables each day. According to some studies, What's more, volunteers have a low risk of high blood glucose and a lower risk of inflammation levels connected to heart disease. They also spend thirty-eight percent fewer nights in hospitals than those people who shy away from involvement in charity. So yeah, it's pretty interesting stuff. I'm not, again, suggesting that you do you become like Mother Teresa. But I just ask you, are you do you have any moments in your life that look a bit like that? If you don't, maybe stop slipping some things in and see what happens. So one way of feeling more positive is to be generous and sacrificial with others. And maybe in just a small way, you could try that. There's another couple of things, though, in here that I want to say before we wrap up, which is um, in verse four, David also says, may he give you, could talking about God, may God give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. So in the midst of this really scary war, David starts talking about the desires of their heart. Obviously, for them, their main desire was to win the war, but I wonder, in the battles you face, what are your dreams or desires? Some of you have hopes and dreams, but it's possible you've given up on them. Have you given up on yours? It's understandable why you might. I saw a tweet today from an author, and I think he has a book out now, but he was tweeting this. He said, aspiring authors, don't stop submitting your work to agents and publishers. I got rejected early on, and it knocked my confidence so much that I stopped submitting for 10 years. And I gave up on myself way too quickly. Don't stop. Keep going. Don't forget your dream. I wonder if that's possibly where some negativity comes in. Because we give up on ourselves too easily. You might have good reasons why. You might have been battered by life. But all I'm saying is, what if the time has come to look inside and rekindle the hopes that you once had? Or maybe it's, yeah, it is time to grieve the death of one dream and to find a new one. Having a goal is challenging, but it can give you a sense of positivity too and motivation. And not having any sense of purpose can leave us deflated and negative. Another way that David talks about um, being more positive is about gratitude, about being able to be thankful for things. And I know this is not always easy. Uh, You may feel that there's barely anything to be grateful for. But even in the midst of this war, in verse 5, David starts talking about shouting with joy or lifting a banners You might not be in the mood to celebrate right now, and of course that's up to you. You've got to have space for the negative, remember? But if you want to feel more positive, it can be worth actively seeking out positive things from your day and noting them, paying attention to them, Don't get me wrong i'm not saying that if you lose both arms at a shark attack you should stagger on the beach and say well i lost my arms but at least it's a sunny day hallelujah no the world is chaotic we get touched by that and like i said last week it's right to scream and wail at times but in my life when i'm feeling down about something or stressing about an issue i've noticed something that pushes the clouds away a little and sometimes it's that deliberate, active decision to say, "Okay, I know there's negative there, but I want—I'm just going to focus on what is positive here." And let me give you just a small example from my own life. Um, I have—I suffer, suffer from something called uh, tinnitus. Some people call it tinnitus, but you know, it's tinnitus in my wall. It's like a ringing in my ear, and I wish I didn't have it. It's like a kind of little fairy banshee floating by, going ee! all the time you know you might like that sound for like two seconds but not for the rest of your life and sometimes I notice it more than others but it's it's always there especially when it's quiet and I just can't remember the last time I heard pure silence and a few months back for whatever reason I start it started just getting me down and the thing with tinnitus is the more you think about it the more you notice it and the more stressed you are and the worse it gets and this was happening to me like a cycle you know it was doing my head in And I remember around the time hearing about a film about a heavy metal drummer who was losing his hearing and I just thought I cannot watch that there's no way I'm watching that but as I thought that I thought hang on a minute even though I do have this ringing at least I can hear ringing (laughs) at least I can hear things through the ringing I can still hear music and films and my kids laughing and it does suck right um it, it really gets to me sometimes But then I just, around that time, just started thinking, well, you know, maybe I should focus on the good side. The fact that I can still hear. And the buzzing got slightly less again, and my stress levels about it went down too, which helped, ironically, the sound go down. What makes you feel negative today? I do not want to minimise it at all, especially for those of you who are suffering terribly tonight, and I'm not trying to equate... My tinnitus stuff on the same level as what some of you guys are going through. But what I would say is, um, most of us listening to this are not in prison. Most of us are not homeless. Most of us have a life with some laughter in it. And probably a future with some laughter in it too. The kind uh, of... the, kinda, the attitude of gratitude approach can be risky and patronizing insulting sometimes particularly if you're struggling with clinical depression or anxiety in which case there is absolutely no shame in getting medical help and medicinal help but what I am saying is that sometimes what helps me find the positive in my own life is slowing down and thinking what am I focusing on right now is it the part of my life that's bad or is it the other things that are good And there are times when it's really difficult to not focus on anything else, I understand that. Some people going through terrible things, it's really a lot to ask to not focus on that, and almost impossible at times. But for many of us, it is possible. And so if you want to have a bit more positivity in your life, try to actively be grateful for some things. Look for the things that bring you delight. Melody Beattie said this once, she said, "'Gratitude turns what we have into enough and more, It turns denial into acceptance, chaos into order, confusion into clarity. It makes sense of our past, brings peace for today, and creates a vision for tomorrow. You see, the thing about staying positive in a negative world is not trying to create a life in which negative things don't happen. That seems to be the way that people think you get positive, is try to avoid negative things. Well, I'm afraid that's impossible. So the solution is more to do with our perception of seeing things differently. And that can happen when we don't skip past our sadness but we give it space to breathe. It can happen when we connect with others and we remember we're not alone. It can happen when we deliberately shift the focus from ourselves to say that we're actually starting to be more generous to others, sacrificing time and money even to help other people in our needs. Surprisingly, helping others can end up helping us too. And we can rekindle our dreams and our optimism We can find ourselves searching for things to be thankful for. We don't do these things to sell out. We don't do these things to be subservient or complacent or to kid ourselves or some sort of opiate of the masses. We do them because throughout the ages they have been stepping stones to feeling more peace and positivity. And so if you don't want peace and positivity, fine, don't do these things. But if you do want them, these are ways you can do it. At the end of this psalm, David says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God, which is the last resource he offers there, prayer. You know, you might not be into that, so, you know, fine. But I must say that that is another thing that I find helpful in times of negativity, of knowing that, you know, there's someone to talk to. And heck, if God doesn't exist, the worst thing, worst case scenario is you're just talking to yourself or, you know, expressing or articulating how you're feeling inside, which actually can be no bad thing. And... But obviously, if you believe God's there, then it adds a bit of an extra element. Well, with that in mind, we're gonna have a time of prayer and meditation now. Um, Don't freak out if this isn't what you're into. Just treat it as a a, a moment to kind of reflect and relax a bit, or skip it if you'd rather do that. Picture yourself standing in the car park of the Bates Motel you're not sure what that looks like it's a set of modest one story hotel rooms with a dusty space for cars out front that's where you are and it's nighttime. and you're just leaning against your car you're looking up at the gothic Victorian house that sits on the hill the owners live up there In fact, you can see one of them now. In the shadow of her, at least, in the window. She's watching you, it seems. And you think, I should probably be friendly. So you wave. And she doesn't wave back. Typical. You sigh. Down over here. There's only one other person staying in the motel. It's a young woman who has just checked into room one right next to the manager's office. You haven't spoken to her either. Not like you would do that. Instead you stare down at your phone as you wait here. All your friends are in beautiful hotels as you stare at their Instagram. And here you are in this dump. Just look at this motel now, at this scenario, in the middle of this dusty desert. And let it represent anything that makes you feel negative tonight. Give that negativity space to breathe. Now, you just want to be alone, but just now you notice the woman who's staying in room one. She's gone to her car, get herself some shampoo that she left behind. Do you want to say hello? You can't be bothered to connect with anybody, but imagine that you do. Picture that moment, and if you want to, maybe you want to imagine this woman as somebody else in your life who you see and you want to connect with. Well, she walks off, and you feel a tiny bit more connected with the place. Not much, but a bit. She vanishes into room one, and as she goes, she's gonna have a shower, she mentioned that. And just as her door closes, you see the manager, Norman Bates, walking down the steps from the big house. The lights are off in the window now. That woman is gone. It's too dark to make him out properly, and he doesn't see you. He's very focused, but you watch him go into the office and you wonder should you have called out to him to say hi, but you don't. And you have a bad feeling, something isn't right, and you have a feeling that maybe someone needs your help, and now you have a choice, do you want to help with the hassle of getting involved? Well, let that idea represent anything in your life that feels like a sacrifice or a hassle, something you could do without, and yet something you feel maybe you could do. Picture that now. Picture yourself leaving the side of your car and walking across the dust and knocking on her door. And as you knock to check if she's okay, just as you do, notice a weird peephole in the wall and you realize she's being spied on and you tell her and it's awkward and it's weird and it's an effort but as soon as she sees that she says i'm leaving this place thank you for showing me that and you leave the place too and you both drive off in your separate cars and in the rearview mirror you see the light coming on in the house and the hill and the shouting and the screaming of some people arguing but you drive on and life still remains a mixture of negative and positive but as ahead you see Marion's car turning left and heading off to whatever she's gonna do you think, did I really do much for her or not? I just want you to feel something, what does that make you feel? Let's pray. God, it's possible you're completely not there. And so we're talking to a wall. If that's the case, help this just to be us sharing what's in our heart. But if you are there, if it's like real, then listen to us, because we have found ourselves in pretty negative spaces sometimes and uh, life can be stressful. And we pray you'll give us moments where we can admit that sadness, but give us opportunities to connect with others and even a willingness to sacrifice for other people. And let us see what that does to us. And help us as we do these things to rediscover old dreams or new ones and show us new ways to be thankful so that our perspective might change and that perhaps the story we write for ourselves will cease to be one of a tragedy, but would become something more like a hero's journey. Amen. Thank you for taking part in that. Well, we now come to music, and it is a pleasure to invite to you who you heard about earlier, Joel the Custodian. He's going to come and lead us, joining the church band, for this week's horror hymn. Joel? (laughs) Joel?
2: to unearth the sleeper. Most get discarded, but this one's a keeper. My
1: shoulders, ow, I'm digging too fast. It's colder now. I swig from the flask. My shoulders, ow, I'm digging too fast. It's colder now. I swig from the flask.
2: Hallways and bedrooms I see. your war The body I greet. I see your portraits The body
0: I of a former person, an alien before their subterranean immersion fingers in the dirt, search for purpose trace each molecule to outer universes, amounts to this the previous exists, watch the past the future, sparse, species yet to click and fix and stick together, as the solid so compared with before, what's coming is pretty horrid, recycled, gone elbow fill feel entitled to recall, particles are starting points, proceeding in free fall, I'm weeding the trees fall, I'm bleeding from sweet sauce. tally is piled up, exceeding my cheap score, with contemplation the counts Turned. We'll be out the building by the time the house is mm-hmm. absurd. I'm hauling a weight. There's countless and worth, and all that it takes is a mouthful of dirt. Boom. Touch, bristle stone, touch, thistles, did, jits, freezing rid. shit, wheezing crow, oh.
2: scraping oar, oh. aching locks, oh. breaking box, oh. waking. Oh. To see
1: me, dull face. He grins when he greets me. Always, Always. so happy to see me, dull face. He grins when he greets me. I climb in the coffin, hope nobody's watching. The body is rotting and moldy. I lie in the coffin. Hope nobody's watching The body that's rotten Says hold me I lie in the coffin Hope nobody's watching Our bodies are locking So coldly I lie in the coffin Hope nobody's watching
2: The body that's rotten The old me Always So happy to see me, doll face, he grins when he greets me, always. Always. So
0: happy to see me, doll face, he grins when he greets me. Could you put your hands together for Joel the Custodian. Fantastic to have you with us tonight, Joel. If you want to hear more music from Joel, then check yes. out his Spotify playlist in the show notes. But for now, thank you for coming to Creepy Cove. If you want to hear more of our free services, then check out our website, creepycove.com, or visit our Patreon page to find out how you can become part of the congregation and get loads of extras. Thanks for coming, everyone. And remember, keep a little eye out for hope amongst the horror. Pe- Peter? Bye. Pe- Peter, sorry to Could I hey, a Hey, little- Rupert. How did you uh, like Joel the Custodian? I was really impressed how we managed to rhyme sweet sores with cheat sco- Yes, that what? was very
2: good, but I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, we have an issue with Norman Bates. Oh,
0: with Norman? Okay, what's up? Uh, well, he seems to be wearing a lady's wig. <laughs> and, you know, we're not bothered uh, uh, about that sort of stuff here.
2: No, I know, but he's also wearing a lady's dress. Well,
0: okay, but again, that's not a problem for us, uh, you know. Uh, I know. We don't mind if people wear. Oh, yes, no. It's more involved in, with that. Than, I mean, he identifies yep. as. Um, well, how can I say it? He just uh, say a Rupert. Uh, you know, I know you're not a prude about this sort of not. thing. So why the hesitant... No, he identifies as his own mother. Oh, uh, right. Yes. Well, that's a new one. I'm, I'm sure we can work with.
2: Yes, but he's currently hitting an old lady over the head with a shovel, I'm afraid. What? Uh, Yes, with a big, sturdy shovel. He's hitting lots uh, of elderly. Why
0: did you say that at the start? That's like, that Uh, is a problem. Well, I wanted (laughs) to ease
2: you into the Um, story. Well, where is he now? Uh, Well, he's, uh, well, to use a cliche, he's behind you. (laughs) What? Oh! (gasps) Right? (laughs) You dirty, dirty boy. Well, Mary, (laughs) (laughs) don't start.
0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Season 3, Episode 2 of Creepy Cove Community Church. Can I ask you for help to get the word out about this show? Because it's so weird and left-field and bizarre. Not many people are just going to stumble on it by accident. So if you're up for it, leave a review on Apple uh, Podcasts or you know, post about it on social media or just kind of grab random people in the street and whisper it in their ears. Go to creepycove.com. Let's see if we can get this freaky, bizarre horror church more well known. But until next time, I'll either see you in the Peter Laws podcast once a week for you patrons, but for the rest of you, I'll see you at church next time. Take care, everybody. Bye bye.